begin with some I hope this doesn't make too much noise we'll begin with some announcements this is popping too much let me just I'll do this yeah cut the mic for a second all right we be we're on we begin with a couple of things, a couple of announcements. First of all, uh, some commentary on the, some of the YouTube videos that were out, the clips. The first thing is that uh, that one clip that was put out there, that uh, you got a rebellious teen, and he's over 18 years old, and he has no respect for you. We kick him out the house and go make him work and, and earn his own living. It's like sometimes people just need a dose of reality. Okay, and all these things are always negotiations. So sometimes you have to pin it so far off, right, to something so radical that people realize and recognize, you know, what they actually have with their parents, offering them a home, cooking food for them, etc., etc. So it's not always just like a one, and it's not, and not every comment is for everybody. But by the Sharia, if we're going to live by the Sharia, after eighteen, I don't owe you anything, right? Uh, not 18, but when a person is physically capable of, of, of getting a job, of, of, when a boy, a, a boy has become a young man. You can wake up, you can walk, you can go pump gas, right? So a little bit, sometimes a dose of reality and really realizing what you're actually responsible for and what you're being given, sometimes that's the best thing for somebody, right? So uh, that's in terms of a comment like that, and it's, everything is, you know, specific. There's a general comment, but it may not always apply to everybody. And secondly, I think a lot of these kids, probably the people who objected to that, that's the reason why the kid is spoiled brat. Because you're too soft. You don't realize, like, it's not saying how to hit him where it hurts, but it's saying, like, how to give him a dose of reality here. You know, what's going on here, right? How much we're doing for you. You have to taste it somehow. I can't just keep saying it. Go taste it yourself, right? Go and try to earn a sandwich. See if anyone would hire you to pump gas. You'll never even go on time, show up on time, and work eight hours a day. So that's why sometimes I think that, you know, if you're too soft, you're actually doing them a disservice. And it's not meanness. It's not being mean. It's just letting people see the reality as it is. If Allah was to lift from us 1.01% of his mercy, and you stub your toe, and you, and you sprain it, all right, or you hurt it really badly, you're just going to sit there all day. You can't even do anything all day because of one minor little thing. So sometimes that little bit of that compassion, uh, if it's lifted from your relationship with your kids, they'll get to see, you know, and have some respect for what you're doing. That's the first thing. Second thing about the, some, uh, some more Q&A about the motive. Uh When people ask the simple question of why didn't the Sahaba do it then? Well, the answer to it is that the Mawlid is a solution to a problem that didn't exist in the time of the Sahaba or the second or the third generation, which is complete forgetfulness and jafat. Jafat, which is like dryness towards the messenger, peace be upon him. So the emotion of love had to be manufactured through these celebrations, right? Oh, it's just singing songs and... Um, doing things like that okay well what's the what is the objection is there a legal objection to being happy there's not an if i if someone graduated from high school and you sung him a song there'd be no there's no objection 
right? So um, a lot of times these things come into people's minds because they're repeated. These objections are, are constantly repeated over and over and over. And you just need a quick answer for it. And these are the answers. Didn't, something didn't exist in the time and in, in times past because the problem that this thing is solving didn't exist. That's just the case with like all of fiqh. Like half of fiqh, when you read these books, problems that didn't exist in the past, but the ulama needed to answer them. So these are the uh, uh, common questions that come up, and those are the quick answers to them. We now move to Babu Maja'a fi tawadu'i Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Haddathana Ahmad ibn Mani' wa Sa'id ibn Abdul Rahman al-Makhzumi wa ghayru wahidin qalu. حدثنا سفيان بن عيينة عن الزهري عن عبيد الله عن ابن عباس. الزهري of course was one of the first, he was the first that Umar ibn Abdul Aziz asked to compile the sunnah for him. Um, but he, it, it never happened in the time of his zuhri. He never published the book, uh, first book of hadith, but he was asked and Malik published it later on. لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى ابن مريم إنما أنا عبد and this is the famous hadith in which many people utilize this hadith as a way to object to the celebration and the praise of the Messenger. And the commentary is that what is forbidden is the praise that was forbidden to the people of Sayyidina Isa, which is to establish him as beyond a Messenger of Allah. So that essentially is the ta'weed of this hadith. So do not praise me in such a manner that does not befit. In other words, saying that he's anything beyond a human messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Human being and a messenger. Basharan rasula. So anything less than that is permitted as praise. Anything that's true about the Prophet, essentially. You praise the Prophet by saying what is true about him. Peace be upon him. For example, let's take Hassan bin Thabit. Hassan ibn Thabit, he's the one who was a famous poet in Mecca, and the Quraysh hired him to, to criticize the Prophet, peace be upon him. So this is like having like one of the best marketers out there come up with ads against the Prophet, videos against the Prophet. That's basically what, in the old days, the poet, that's what he was. He was essentially like a marketer today. Uh, here's a bunch of money and uh, go and, and, and create some propaganda against the messenger, peace be upon him. So immediately after the deal was made, and he agreed to this, Prophet ﷺ then was passing by and he was passing by the Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay, And when he did this, he saw the Prophet, peace be upon him. Immediately, he uttered his famous lines of poetry. Okay, uh, no, no one was born like you. Uh, there's no one better looking than you. And it's as if you were created the way you wished. I wish I could, I don't want to butcher the Arabic of it, but it's not something that I remember off the top of my head. Um, if, I, if, if I had it off the top, if I just had the first line of it, I could remember the rest of it. But it ends with, right? No woman has given birth. To anybody like you just on the look of the prophet the appearance of the prophet hassan bin thabit then entered islam so that's like some what, read it to me please 
واحسن واحسن منك لم ترد النساء نو نو واحسن منك لو ترى قط عيني واحسن منك لم ترى قط عيني واجمل واجمل منك لم ترد النساء خلقت خلقت كما خلقتك مبرأ من كل عيب كأنك خلقت كما تشاء That's the line right there. This is a four-line poem. Very simple. He just uttered it. Okay? He just uttered it. In our day, that's like someone making a quick cut of a video with his phone. And then it just goes crazy. Right? Some of the best videos, some of the most viral videos, what is it? It's just a quick cut that someone just did with their phone. Like a quick video just took it like that. So that's, that's that famous poem that you hear a lot, especially in the gatherings of the Prophet ﷺ. It came from Hassan Mithabit right off the top of his head when he passed by. He had just come out of the meeting to malign the Prophet. He had agreed to take a sum of money to malign the Messenger of Allah وسلم. Okay. Right? Uh, this is uh, more beautiful than you, I've never seen before. And you know artists, they love beauty. Artists are motivated by beauty, the beauty of sound, the beauty of words, the beauty of images. So that's what he liked, right? He loved to see the handsomeness of the Prophet that someone may say, I guarantee you, if you gave that poem to some of these critics, they would say, no, no, this is over the top. When they might even say, this is shirk. And he said it right in front of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And he repeated it over and over and over and over. Okay. So this was before he even took the shahada. Hassan bin Thabit. He said this poem as a kafir. Subhanallah. And then it was repeated over and over and over. And it's like one of the f- famous poems right now. The next hadith, أَنَّ إِمْرَأَةً جَاءَتْ إِلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَقَالَتْ A woman came to the messenger, peace be upon him, and she said, إِنَّ لِي إِلَيْكَ حَاجَةً I have a need for you. فَقَالَ إِجْلِسِي فِي أَيِّ طَرِيقِ الْمَدِينَةِ شِئْتِ أَجْلِسْ إِلَيْكِ Then sit in one of the paths of Medina, in other words, where there are people coming and going, and then I will sit and, and address your affair. So the Prophet ﷺ was not like the kings that had, go. you need to call, talk, talk to my secretary. You need to talk to this. You need to talk to that. The Prophet, peace be upon him, never had any of that, where people talk like that. And you have to make an appointment with me and go do this, that, and the other. You could come in and, uh, and simply talk to the Messenger, peace be upon him, without any haraj. And this is so important. So important to know this, that that is the humility of our Prophet ﷺ, that it's not so distant that you just feel scared and you can't talk to him okay وعن انس بن مالك رضي الله تعالى عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه واله وسلم يعود المرضى he used to visit the sick ويشهد الجنائز and go and and attend burials okay funerals ويركب يركب الحمار and he used to ride a donkey ويجيب دعوه العبد and if a Slave invited him for dinner. He would go eat with him. On the day that there was that big trial with the Bani Quraidah, the Jewish clan, he was riding a donkey. And the rope of it was just some fibers off of a tree. Okay. And the ikaf, let's see how they translate the ikaf. The saddle was made out of palm trees, uh, palm fibers too. Like palm fiber is the cheapest, simplest thing that exists in the city of Medina, the palm fibers. 
Now, this is also a proof that the Prophet, peace be upon him, was not of those who are deluded, insane, or seeking fame and fortune. Because these three attributes are not those of the deluded. So the deluded and the, those who are either they're possessed with black magic, they can't do regular social functions. You never see them in regular social functions. And that's one of the wisdoms of being part of a family and a community is that there are certain functions where the whole community comes together that are regular. Like every month, there's got to be something. At least one or two things that the community comes... Someone's sick, someone's dying, someone's getting married, okay? Whatever it is, someone's just having a random invitation. When you go to these places, after one or two, three years of going to these places, you know the community, you know the personality types of everybody, right? You can't fool people anymore. And that's why it's actually very dangerous never to be part of these things. And one of the reasons that we have it's important to be part of communities is exactly this reason. It's because it actually, you can't be a fraud. You can't be fake. You won't have friends. You can't be too selfish. Eventually you're having a falling out. And it's also a very bad sign when a person, like he, every time they get part of a community or something, they have a falling out. It's a bad sign. Like why is it that you can't coexist with anybody? There must be some element of some selfishness there, some bad quality inside of you that disallows you from ever being you know, part of something, just part of a regular, this is regular stuff. A funeral, an invitation from a very poor person. Uh, what's, this is not something that any celebrity would ever do. Like celebrities don't do this stuff. Celebrity wants fame and fortune. Big time CEOs, they don't do this stuff. Like these big shots, you're not going to see them in a masjid. And so the Prophet ﷺ broke all of that. And that set us an example. Who are you in the first place? So if you want to be humble, oh, I want to be great but humble. Okay, keep showing up. That's a simple thing. Keep showing up. Not to get you to show up requires 50 messages back and forth with your agent. And then you pop in for five minutes, grace us with your presence, and then you bounce. Not a good sign. It's really not a good sign when someone lives like that on the regular. Someone's always living like that. It's a terrible sign. So the Messenger ﷺ's humility was just on display. He came in public in front of his enemies and in front of his, his, his supporters on a mule with leaf. That means, I'm, this is not for me. I'm not punishing you for my kingdom, for my benefit. I'm not coming to bring justice and bring this religion for, for my own feelings and for my own family benefit. No, this is the affair of Allah. And Allah commanded me to be humble. And we're going to have success, hum humble or other, uh, uh, whether you think this is, you know, a, not sufficient or, or otherwise. Because many of the people saw, thought when they saw the prophet, they expect him to be on like a white horse. Right? Whatever you think. This, they, and they despise the messenger for this. They despise the prophet, peace be upon him, for not being like elite and lofty. Anas ibn Malik also كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمْ يُدْعَى إِلَى خُبْزِ الشَّعِيرِ وَالْإِهَالَةِ فَيُجِيبُ وَلَقَدْ كَانَ لَهُ دِرْعٌ عِنْدَ يَهُودِيٍّ فَمَا وَجَدَ مَا يَكُفُّهَا حَتَّى مَات The Prophet ﷺ used to accept an invitation 
on the entire dinner, listen to this. The entire dinner was barley bread and stale fat that was a few days old. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? And he accepted this invitation. I mean, someone invited him. Now, when you go to someone, you don't know what what to expect. But that's not the point. The point is that this, this Sahabi, this companion, knew what he's going to serve and knew who the prophet was and knew the prophet would still accept it. That's the shahid here. Because when you go to an appointment, and I, I want to be polite, and I go to an appointment and they just serve like some... Imagine you go to a dinner, someone invites you for a dinner, and they just give you a Dunkin' Donuts um, tray of munchkins and donuts. This is, that's the invitation? That's better than this. Stale barley bread, bread and stale fat. Firstly, fat is a food. Yeah, they eat just, they would just eat fat, right? Because that's the part the butcher may throw out or something like that. When you get food, you chop up the fat, throw that out, so the poor would just take that, and they would eat it. And a man had a stale food like that a couple days old, right? And then, and he would eat this. So the point Shahid here is that the Sahabi knew this is all I could afford. I know the Prophet is going to be pleased because it's the intention that matters. And for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we slaughter for hajj or qurbani or what have you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it's not the meat that reaches Allah, but it's taqwa al-qulub. Okay? okay? The taqwa from you is what reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So likewise, the messenger, peace be upon him. It's not significant what you bring forth. It's significant what your heart put forth. So that's the best that this abd can do, this poor uh, 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 person could do. So Prophet Sallallahu accepted it. At the end of his life, he had pawned his armor to a Jew. In other words, for a loan. So he took a loan from a Jew. Why would the Prophet take loans from the Jews? Well, one of the reasons was that he knew that the Sahaba would never accept the loan repayment. That if a Sahabi had loaned the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this money, he knew, the Prophet knew, the Sahabi would never accept it back. He would never take the money back. But he knew the Jew would take the money back. And the Jew would file a complaint for it too. The Prophet wanted an equal playing field when it comes to, to loans. Okay, So the Jew, he's going to be honest or when it comes to his rights. He's, gonna be, he's not going to have the shame to call back, to ask back for the money. Why? Because he's already not have the shame to say that I don't believe you in as a prophet. Like he has no shame. So he's also going to have no shame to ask back for his money. The prophet wanted that. I want you to ask back for this money because if he had given it to a sahabi, as the loan uh, was given to the prophet from a sahabi, the prophet piece, that, that sahabi would never ask for it back. And he may need it, but he may be embarrassed. The Yehudi's not going to be embarrassed, right? And that's why the prophet many times... He took loans from the Jews. Trade, he would do with the Muslims because they even trade. But loans from the Jews. And, and when you take a loan, you got to give something as collateral. So he took a shield. And he gave out the money and whatever the need was for the money. Usually he gave them, he never took a loan for himself. It was usually as a sadaqah that someone asked him. So he would take a loan in his name. Another time, a sahabi didn't have any food to eat. So he said, go to the marketplace, tell everyone Buy what you need and tell everyone the tab is upon me. That's something the Prophet did for one of the Sahaba. 
The Sahaba didn't just benefit in their hearts and their emotions and their faith. They benefited from him in their life, financially. Right? The Prophet said and made sure that they lived okay. And so the Prophet, at the end of his, at his death, he didn't even have um, the money to pay it back, like towards the end of his life. That's how simple the Prophet's finances were, so that nobody could say that the Prophet, peace be upon him, was, you know, he enjoyed this prophethood, prophecy and, and, and he's very wealthy, and that people who aren't wealthy, there's something wrong with them. The Prophet was in maqam al-zuhd, not poverty. Poverty is like, like almost reflects an inability to make money. The Prophet was in something called maqam al-zuhd, a choice. The Prophet had said many times, if, uh, Oh Aisha, if I wished all these mountains to be gold Allah, and silver, Allah would have done it for me. And another instance in real life, the Prophet ﷺ's spoils of war, his spoils of war was one-fifth of everything that was owned in Ta'if. Imagine owning one-fifth of a city and all the wealth that's in that. That was his personal wealth. That was the spoils of war. What did he do with it? This, this happened so that everyone could see that he did attain to be the richest man in Arabia. And he would not keep that money, not one dinar of that money or dirham of that money, or mule, or goat, or sheep, or horse. He gave it all away to the mu'allafati qulubuhum, the people whose hearts were close to accepting Islam. The fact that he gave it away to them indicates that he possesses it as his money, not state money. Because the spoils of war goes one-fifth to the Prophet wasallam, and four-fifths, that one-fifth the Prophet could do what he wants with it. And then the rest to the soldiers. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, did possess that money. Could have done what he wanted with it. He gave it away to the Mu'allafati Qulubuhum. To show all the people of Mecca and Ta'if, I'm richer than you now. But look what I'm going to do with it. I don't care for it. I'm giving it away. There was an entire valley in Ta'if, out on the outskirts of Ta'if, that the spoils of war were being put there. That was his. And it was filled with animals. It was a valley. And he saw one of his most bitter, worst enemies looking upon it with like awe. Look at this amount of money. Insane amount of money. Wealth. Animals. You could multiply these animals, right? By making them give birth. You could be so rich. And the Prophet ﷺ came and walked right next to him. And he said, do you like what you see? And this man, he's just been conquered, right? He hates the Prophet, peace be upon he doesn't even look at the prophet. He doesn't have the adab to look at the prophet. He said, and who wouldn't? The prophet wasallam said, go, it's, your, it's yours. The man said, okay, stop making fun. That's what we would, that's the way we would say it. Stop making fun. Like, you won the battle, you won. You don't have to make fun of us now. The prophet wasallam said, I don't make fun of you. I'm saying the truth. It's yours. The man Almost basically like a shatahat. Shatah almost. He ran. He ran and then he went to his tribe and he said, go and believe in the man that has no fear of poverty. Go, go believe in this man. And he said, at, in one moment, the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam went from the most hated man in my heart to the most beloved man in my heart. And he Hasuna Islamu, as they, they say in these books, that he rectified his Islam was good after that. So you see, the way to a person's heart is oftentimes their desires, their wants. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this. 
The Prophet says this, love Allah for the wonderful blessings that he's given you. Right? So the Prophet, peace be upon him, knew this is the way to people's hearts. And the Prophet, the goal is for him to believe. He can't believe in you just with proofs that you're true. He's going to believe in you because he feels goodness came from you. Prophet, peace be upon him, said, hearts were created to love the one who does good to it. So he, by him doing good to this man, and this good was an unfathomable, unimaginable amount of wealth that this man's mind like burst. So much so he couldn't even believe it. And that, but that's the generosity of Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When you see the great awliya and the way they live, they pray in the night, they serve in the day, they do a, it's almost like a perfect A plus down, down the report card. What motivates them? Clearly, Allah and His Messenger have had the key to their hearts and have made them happy by giving them what they could not even fathom and what they have blown their minds of blessings and benefits we were not privy to see as personal in their life. Yet for them, alas, Allah and His Messenger, have they own their hearts now. You've bought my heart, alas. With this ni'mah, the ni'mah is a reflection of the generosity. That's what you are. This generosity is what you are, khalas. I'm yours. Rest of my life. Rest of my life. Service of the ummah for the love of the Prophet Love of the Prophet for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And love of Allah by submitting to every detail of his law. That's how I'm going to show my love. And I'm going to be grateful. And I'm going to do ibadah. And I'm going to remember everybody in my dua. Some of these awliya of Yemen and, 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 and every country, their dua for the ummah of Muhammad is like multiple times a day. Multiple times a day, they're making du'a for the entire ummah. They make du'a for the sick. They take time out for that. It's because their heart was purchased with blessings. That's the nature of human beings. So if you want to get near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask Him. Ask Him of what you love. Ask Him of what you seek. And in this is sir al-ubudiyah, the secret of ubudiyah. You have, I don't have. There's only one way I can get it. I need you to have tafadl upon me. I need it. I can't survive. I can't do anything. I can't get what I'm looking for without your fadl, without your bounty. This is Sir al ubudiyah is in dua. The secret of ubudiyah is in this. And, and, and somebody who seeks a thing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should also keep in the back of his mind, I want to be a grateful servant. If you want to be a grateful servant, start from now. You already have enough to be grateful for. The fact that you're even making dua should be enough for you to be grateful. مَنْ لَمْ يَشْكُرْ الْقَلِيلِ لَمْ يَشْكُرْ الْكَثِيرِ Prophet وسلم, said, and I think we said this yesterday, if you don't thank, you know, if you cannot be thankful for the little bit, you can't be thankful for a lot. That's true, right? If you can't run a mile, you definitely can't run a marathon. Common sense. If you can't run a mile, you can't run a marathon. If you can't run two miles, you can't run 10. If you can't run 10, you can't run 20. Common sense says this. So we have to start being thankful for little things and we shouldn't belittle them. Being thankful for little things is they're like little practice sessions for the big thing. Because if, that, if you're not thankful for that big thing, you lose it. Next hadith. Hajja Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Prophet, peace be upon him, make, made hajj ala rahlin rathin. 
وعليه قطيفة لا تساوي أربعة دراهم فقال اللهم اجعله حجا لا رياء فيه ولا سمعة He says here the Prophet peace be upon him made hajj covered with an ordinary sheet okay. the value of which would not even be four silver coins right that's it and the Prophet peace be upon him said make this a hajj okay, in which there is no riya or suma. riya is about being seen suma is about being heard uh, reputation like that you don't care that people see you nor do you care that people hear about you, that you have a great reputation. So riya from, from ru'ya, from vision, and sum'a from sam'a, the word sam'a. Riya was sum'a, should not care about either one. Reputation nor sum'a. And this was recited to educate the ummah because it's impossible for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's mustahil that the Prophet, peace be upon him, could not have riya or sum'a. But he's saying this to, to teach the people. He's saying it because while it is impossible for him to, to, to fall into those vices, it's also he still gets rewarded for seeking to be humble and asking Allah Ta'ala to grant him this humility. All humility is from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Ikhlas is something that Allah puts in your heart. That I don't want my reward from anyone but Allah don't care what anyone thinks or says. And it's not I don't care what anyone thinks in a rude way because the Many people say that when they're, they need to be rude. Like they want to be jerks, but they want to cover their jerkness with ikhlas. I don't care what anyone says. That's, that's not the right place for it. It's like, I don't care about your sensitivity. Caring about people's sensitivity, there's value in that. Caring about your fame, there's no value in that. That's the difference between when a rude person says it. What he really means is, I don't care if you're sensitive or not. I don't care if I hurt you or not. That's when the rude person says, I don't care what people think. But in not caring what people think in this context of tasawwuf and akhlaq means I'm not seeking my reward from anyone but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And hence the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said this about hajj. Why is it saying about hajj? Because hajj by its nature is a public ibadah. Unlike for example maybe salah may be a completely non-public ibadah. It's a completely private act of worship. right? So as Musa Harun on Facebook is saying Hajj not to be seen or heard right, or not to have a reputation or be seen that's like you need ikhlas the most because it's a purely public act of worship every single aspect of Hajj is with other people right with the whole community watching okay. so this is where the Prophet wasallam he put on a, a white garment which is the ihram which had no value to it that was beyond what anyone else could afford regular garment okay and there is hajj now that uh of course at levels there's hajj at levels and there's nothing haram for regular people to have luxurious hajj because most regular people are not teachers they're not the teachers of people but insofar as you are an example to others then you also need to look at uh the amount of luxury that you engage in based upon your position in the community and the society. Anas ibn Malik narrated, لم يكن شخص أحب إليهم من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم قال وكانوا إذا رأوه لم يقوموا لما يعلمون من كراهته لذلك. 
Now, even though the Prophet, peace be upon him, had taught Adab to the Sahaba, and he taught them when Sa'ad came in, he was the head of the clan, the tribe. Aus and Khazraj, their chiefs were both named Sa'ad, happiness. And one of them, can't recall which tribe it was, he came in and the Prophet ﷺ said, he saw that he's a man of honor. They need to respect him. He said, get up for your, 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 your chief. But for himself, the Prophet ﷺ did not want this. And, and hence, it had become a practice that the Prophet would walk in, nobody would get up because the Prophet did not want takalluf. If there was that takalluf, which is burden of respect. It's like, I want to re- he, people want to respect the Prophet, but the Prophet realized this, if he becomes a sunnah, then everybody would be getting up at all times for everybody. right? So it is something that, it is in the shara, that if you have to respect somebody, you stand up for them. For example, you're sitting down and your grandma walks in. You're not going to get up. You have to get up, right? You're sitting at the, at the, uh, 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 at the um, living room table. You got your feet up on a Sunday night watching football. Your father walks in. Hey, someone like take a seat. No, you're going to get up, right? So Adab basically says that when we all do this, you're going to get up and salam them. Every household that we have, like uh, most cultures, and my, if you ask me, most cultures, as soon as like an elder comes in, knocks on the door, comes in, and someone lets him in, you get up and you salam them. You don't salam them from your chair. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wanted to, to make the point that he himself wanted them no takalluf from the people. Okay. Next hadith states that Ibn Abi Hala, who is the uncle of Al Hassan and Hussein, how is he the uncle? Because don't forget that Sayyidah Fatima, she had a couple of half-brothers. Right? Half-brothers. Brothers that were the sons of Sayyidah Khadija. Ibn Abi Hala was one of the sons of Khadija. So that makes him what? Fatima's brother. Sayyidah Fatima had a brother. That makes him the uncle of Hassan and Hussein. So he, Al-Hassan ibn Ali said, سألت خالي هند ibn Abi Hala. And he was a wasaf. He was a describer. He used to know how to describe people very well. He knew the right adjective for everything. Okay. The face. What was the description of the Prophet, peace be upon him? And I wanted him to. There's no pictures in the day. I rem, you rem, he remembers his grandfather, and subhanAllah. Um, you know, he remembers his grandfather and he, 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 he doesn't have pictures. He wants someone to regenerate the image in his mind. Okay. All right. So what does he say? He says, كَانَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَخْمًا مُفَخَّمًا يَتَلَأْلَأُ وَجْهُهُ تَلَأْلُؤَ الْقَمَرِ لَيْلَةَ الْبَدْرِ فَذَكَرَ الْحَدِيثَ بِطُولِهِ then he mentions the entire hadith. So he's not going to go over the entire hadhilya. But he was saying basically the Prophet's face was slightly more on the round than thin like a sword. And it, would, it was bright. His face was bright. But then he goes to the end of the hadith. قَالَ الْحَسَنْ فَكَتَمْتُهَا الْحُسَيْنَ زَمَانًا 
I kept it from Hussein for a while. I like I just took, heard it, took it for myself. But I found that Hussein had already gone to my uncle. And he had asked him for a description. And in the old days, that's how you did things. Like you couldn't pull up a picture. Let me look up a picture. That's how we do it today. Back in the old days, what did you do? You went to, you had to physically walk to the person who knew the right way to describe somebody. And you had to ask him and then remember what he said. So he then found that Hussein had already asked him. How even how the Prophet enters, how he exits, how he looks. Al Hussein said, Fasaltu Abi and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the Prophet peace that he asked Sayyidina Ali about how does the Prophet like walk in, walk out? Like what is the daily routine of the Prophet? What is he like? Kana Ida Awa ila Manzilihi when the Prophet, peace be upon him, he would divide up his time in three ways. One for Allah, one for his family, one for himself. Then he would split his time between himself and the public. وَلَا يَدَّخِرُ عَنْهُمْ شَيْئًا وَكَانَ مِنْ سِيرَتِهِ فِي جُزْءِ الْأُمَّةِ إِيثَارُ أَهْلِ الْفَضْلِ بِإِذْنِهِ وَقَسْمُهُ عَلَى قَدْرِ فَضْلِهِمْ فِي الدِّينِ فَمِنْهُمْ ذُو الْحَاجَةِ وَمِنْهُمْ ذُو الْحَاجَةِ وَمِنْهُمْ ذُو الْحَوَائِجِ فَيَتَشَاغَلُ بِهِمْ وَيَشْغَلُهُمْ فِيمَا يُصْلِحُهُمْ الْأُمَّةَ مِنْ مَسْأَلَتِهِمْ so the Prophet, peace be upon him, used to take up a lot of time okay, to, for the people. So he describes now that a third for himself, that one third for himself, he would divide it up. All right? And how he would divide it up, he would say, a portion for himself, distributed his portion into two, one for himself, in such a manner that near ones among the Sahaba came to visit him. Those who are close, they come to visit him. Okay? Through these sahaba, he conveyed messages to other people. Okay, tell him such and such. Oh, so-and-so, he has an issue. Okay, tell him such and such. This is actually still the way the shiuch work. Many shiuch, they have like uh, an assistant or two assistants. And they're okay, there's a question from so-and-so, he says such and such. Then the sheikh would just record the voice message and send it back. Right? That's how it is to, done today. But he did not conceal anything from them. Right? From the portion of the Ummah, he adopted this method that he gave preference to Ahlul Fadl. He gave preference to the people who had Fadl. That means they had knowledge and action. And he distributed this time according to their, uh, to their, the, the, their efforts in the deen. From among those who came, some have had one, one need, some had two needs, some had many needs. And the Prophet ﷺ would fulfill all the requirements. And this is the Sunnah. And I went to Jeddah and saw this. this it's like a semi-public part of the house. That is owned by Al-Habib Abdul Qadr al-Saqaf. May Allah's rahmah be upon him. He passed away. And Habib uh, Sayyid Muhammad Ali al-Maliki, he had the same thing. And that is that the edge of the house was semi-public. means it's his pro- personal property. But there are times when you know that the door is open. And there would be a doorman who would let you in. But people know that they could go there at any time. And they would go and they ask needs. The rich would go and drop bags of cash before the digital age. Just drop, drop 
cash. He would have one time they said that a, a rich man came and he had a, a, literally a bag full of envelopes, just like almost like the, what you see in the movies with drugs and stuff. But this was legitimate money, not, not a crime. So he came with this bag of cash and he put it there and said, Habib Abdul didn't even look at it. Like he wasn't even, wow, look at all this money. Hey, everyone, look at this cash. No, he didn't even look at it. By the end of the majlis, the bag was empty. People would come in, oh, I need to do this. Take a water cash. I need to do that. Take a water cash. And that's basically an emulation. They were the inheritors of the prophet. In this sitting down, they would sit and the people would come to them with their problems and their needs. Some would simply just need advice. Some would need du'a for a matter. Some would need money. And he would. And by the end of it, the entire bag was empty. The, 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 the people there were, subhanAllah, they, they were amazed. He didn't even look at the money. He would just reach in, give, even count, not even counting, a wad of cash. So you're not going to love a sheikh like that afterwards. Right. He then said, he replied to them in a manner that befitted them, that benefited them, sorry. He used to say those present should inform those who are not present regard like beneficial necessary matters. He also used to say the people for whom, uh, who for some reason, distance or shy or uh, that shyness or awe cannot put forth their requests, bring, send it with somebody else. Some people are shy. Some people are embarrassed. Right? Because that person who informs a king of the need of another who is unable to put forth that need will keep that person steadfast on the day of Qiyamah. Only important and beneficial matters were discussed in these gatherings. He happily listened to these matters from the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Besides this, there was no waste, no waste of time, no non-beneficial chit-chat in these gatherings, in these assemblies. And the Sahaba radiallahu came to these assemblies for their religious needs. They did not depart before tasting something, meaning of knowledge, of deen, of benefit. Okay? And also, it could mean that they, the Prophet fed them too, that they took something away physically. That he gave them something physically. Because they are, they're doing a service. They're going back and forth. So-and-so has a need, so-and-so has a need, so-and-so has a problem, this, that, and the other. So he would always give them something. Okay. He, said, he then said, I asked my father, Sayyidina Ali. Let's go back to the Arabic. can't find that spot Learn just read things you can't find that spot uh i what about how the prophet would would come out of the house okay he said the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was very controlled in what he said outside the house and he did not waste time in useless conversations and he made those who come to visit him feel at home and he did not make them feel scared or ill at ease and when he advised them he did not scold them in any way that would make them scared or tell them that such things would keep them away from the deen. He wouldn't tell them anything that would make them uh, not be pleased and, and, and motivated for the deen. He respected and honored the respected ones of every nation. He, he also chose a leader for them. And he warned people of Allah's punishments. Okay? He emphasized that they should be cautious. He also protected himself from troubling and harming people. Besides being cautious and commanding others to be cautious, he never lacked in courtesy towards others. He was concerned for the affairs of his friends. He made himself aware about the relationships between them and he rectified between people. He knew 
He was aware that some people have issues with others and he tried to rectify between them. He praised good deeds and he encouraged them and he explained the harmful effects of bad things. Next to every sin is pain. So that they would stop these behaviors. He followed the middle path in all matters. He did not uh, neglect guiding people. It is possible that they became unmindful of their religious duties or they exceeded in a matter of dunya, resulting in them, them being disheartened. Because if you go too much in the dunya, you're eventually going to be disappointed. For everything, there was a special arrangement. He did not fall back in the truth, nor did he exceed the limits in this. Those who attended his gatherings were the best of people. The best person in the eyes of the Messenger وسلم, was the one who wished well for everybody. The one with the highest, highest status in the eyes of the Messenger وسلم, was the person who considered, comforted, and helped the creation the most. So he loved the people who were helpful. That's why I said in the gathering that we had two Fridays ago, big gathering, 500 people in the masjid. Such an important thing today is helping the youth. And I'm happy to announce that for MBIC, if you're a high schooler, every Friday night is at MBIC is youth night. Every Friday night. You pop in between 5, 6, 5.30, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock, let's say. All the, every Friday night, if you're a youth in the Central Jersey area, come out. This is for the boys. For the girls, we're going to try to get it going for Saturday nights. So this right now is for the boys gathering. And there will be four, usually probably college guys, maybe graduated from college, not too much older, and make sure that there's no chaos. But bring 10 bucks with you so that you could eat too. You're going to buy food. You walk to Halal Boys, which is right across the street. Whatever you guys do, whatever you guys decide to do. And there will be some, whatever it is, sometimes it's going to be basketball. Right? What else do they do, usually do? Volleyball, basketball, uh, wrestling and then there's going to be salah there's going to be a little halakha and then there's going to be eating after that and they'll go until 10 and arrange yourself a pickup or if you need a pickup you'll contact us we'll pick you up too every week we can't leave off a week we have to lay it on thick now and this is where the prophet said the most beloved to the prophet some people will get a reward they cannot fathom where how why am i getting this reward from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's because you helped people and this day and age, to me, in my view, the youth, because there's never been a generation born with the fitna that they're born with. So I could probably go back. Yes, I was born in uh, the fitna that in my generation was born with. Uh, yeah, we were born with TV. TV, in my opinion, you can just unplug it and, and you're fitna free. But these kids are born with devices connected to their hips. They're literally born with it. It's all over the house. Uh, I don't know how they have any attention span to do anything. And the amount of, the, the ease by which the sins and the facade comes to them is something that's unprecedented. There's no precedent for this. So it's very much, we have to not limit judgment on what's halal and haram. We know what's halal and haram. But limit judgment on the uh, lack of discipline that some of these youth may have. Do you know what it feels like to be 12 years old and your parent gave you one of these devices? How are you going to control yourself? SubhanAllah. How are you going to control yourself? Don't assume. Don't make it unreasonable. I expect, expect that any normal kid will fall into the temptations of these things. If you run a household, protect them from these temptations. Oh, I don't want them to be shielded. I could care less whether they know about discord or not. If I want to shield their hearts so they can taste the sweetness of Iman. That's what I care about, and that's what you should care about. Shield their hearts from these sins, 
from having music in their ears at all times so they could f- taste the sweetness of Quran and Iman and at least have a reference point. When they're out in the world and they're completely out of your roof, they fall into whatever they fall into, they don't fall into it, they have discipline, they don't. Whatever happens, happens. At least because of you, they have a reference point of what fitrah feels like, what Quran feels like when you, when, when you have a sweet heart, that when you have a, a pure heart and the sweetness of the word of Allah falls into your heart. Right? That fitrah, that... The, the, what, what does it mean for the reference point of being well rested none of these kids are well rested they all come to my halakha and they have like bags under their eyes right what's going on with you it's five o'clock why are you sleepy you probably didn't sleep until three in the morning that's why every night every night under the sheets clicking away scrolling through we, we know what's going on right and am i blaming them no it's very blameworthy what they're upon if I was 12 years old and someone gave me that device, who knows what the heck I would do, right? 13, 14, now in your hormones kick in, 15, 6, I forget about it. It's gone wild. Okay. So we want to pull them out and lay it on thick as possible. So it's going to be, Rai, do you eventually want to make it from 5 to 10? Let's make it from 5 to 10 then, right? Let's make it from 5. Five hours. Just be with the youth. The entire time, uh, be, uh, be, uh, be in the masjid the entire time. And they'll do other things. Eventually they'll arrange whatever, go out to a ball game, go out to whatever, uh, whatever they want to arrange. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved those who help others. And helping others is not just teaching them fiqh, not just teaching them Quran. It's not just giving them food and sadaqah. Sometimes it's just having an event like this. And having it every single week. And the Prophet began and ended all of his assemblies with the remembrance of Allah, such as a recitation of Quran or otherwise. And the Prophet gave etiquettes to the gathering that when you come to the gathering, you don't step over other people's shoulders to get to the front of the gathering. You sit where the edge of the gathering set, uh, ends. Okay. Every gathering should have a symbolic head. Of course, the Prophet was the real head of the gathering. But in our situation, wherever if you're going to gathering at someone's house, the owner of the house is the symbolic head of that gathering. Okay. He's the one who dictates like the topic, the discussion, etc. And whenever people made a comment or they tried to say something that would make the prophet laugh, he always he always smiled with them. Every person would think that the prophet honored them the most. When a person came in, they were respected. Room was made for them. These are from the etiquettes of the majlis. When someone came in, room was made for them. The people would feel good when the, when the head of the gathering recognizes me. The person that came to sit next to the Messenger or had a private purpose would remain seated. Right? The Prophet would sit with him until that person was finished. Okay? If he asked for something, he never said no. From the adab of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and from his maqam, you can never ask him for something and never say no. And if he did not possess it, then he would give a soft and humble answer and sometimes he would take a loan to try to get it for the person. Okay. He was like a father to every one of us, Sayyidina Ali says. All of creation was equal before him. Everyone was equal. Nobody was better than anyone else. There was no feeling of an in-group or an out-group. There, never, there was never a feeling, okay, Abu Bakr and Omar, they're the in-group and we're the out-group. There was no feeling like that. Sayyidina Ali, who's anyone closer to the messenger than Sayyidina Ali? No, he never felt, made anyone feel, I'm the inside group and you're the outside group. This never happened. 
سيدنا علي بن ابي طالب Voices were never raised in his gathering nor was anyone ever disgraced in the gathering or degraded if someone committed a fault no one spoke about it in the gathering no one was people were not treated based upon the arabs the way they treat lineage today i don't think anyone cares about lineage you care about income right and in the, every generation you care about income but lineage is something that pretty much i would say most people don't care about unless it's uh, maybe the hindus care about it about castes and the muslims sometimes they have that too right not uh, uh, like castes but they we do have some in some countries they talk about lineages and it's it's a thing of honor and it could be that is acceptable if you're if it's honor to somebody of honor then it is a virtue a, a nice quality to have that you're related to that person of honor but in most cases people just care about your income your 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 status etc but the prophet peace be upon him never treated one better than the other it was only based upon your efforts in the deen and your ability to help other people that's how he brought you forward if you're someone who helped a lot of people that was something that would bring you forward in the in the gathering of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh young ones little little kids in the gathering were shown affection the needy were given preference in food and money Strangers and travelers were always asked, do you have a place to stay? Hosting. And it's really an honor for us to have uh, the ability. We have the ability now to host. And people who want to come, they have to contact us. And we take care of you for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, and, and then Sunday night, Sunday in the daytime, they can, you can head off. Arrival is Thursday, departure is Sunday. Or anywhere in between. So this was the blessed gathering of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We'll stop here. Inshallah, we'll finish this chapter next week and we'll open up for Q&A. All right. All right, Rai, what you got? Is Hisba based on the Sunnah countries such as Malaysia have muhtasib uh, to police the people? Is it true... Saudi Arabia has done away with this practice. I don't know what Saudi Arabia do, has done, but the idea of, of uh, um, policing, we could say, of the marketplaces, that nothing bad is happening in the marketplaces, or something like um, morals. There's nothing, there isn't anything forbidden about. Um, that's just part of the law for us. Just like there's traffic cops, you can't, drive past a red light certain moral things you're not allowed to do we don't have a problem with that but i mean what the what the penalties are could is could be for discussion because there's no set penalties for these things how does one interact says suhaib with girls in university classes no it's there is no permissibility to go and chit chat with a girl and look at her for out without a reason uh, but if there is a reason, then looking without lust is permitted. And speaking to them is permitted, if there's a reason. But no, there's not like, if there's... Now, if you do end up with a working relationship with somebody, that you always work with somebody, it is understandable 
that there may be some pleasantries exchanged, but it should not pass that. For example, you can't, let's say you're a principal of a school and you, you hired a teacher. It's understandable that if you have a meeting, that there are going to be pleasantries exchanged. Where, assalamu alaikum, alaikum assalam. Um, hope you all had a good weekend. Stuff like that. And I think that that's understandable. Right, keep going. Okay, someone up. SubhanAllah, they have a family member who is about to be taken off the ventilator and will likely die. SubhanAllah, uh, what's the etiquette of actions and recitation in that, that setting? If somebody's about to be taken off the ventilator, then the the action is that they should be reciting the Qur'an for them. Some have said the hadith, اقرأوا ياسين على موتاكم means recite yasin upon the ones dying. And some said it means the one who is already dead. And, uh, and it's um, any recitation of Qur'an, dua, etc. All of that is good. But you should not tell them, say la ilaha illallah, because they might not be able to say it physically. Okay. They might not be able to say it physically. And there's a famous story of Ahmed ibn Hanbal, where his son said, father, say la ilaha illallah. And he didn't say anything. And he said, Father, say la ilaha illallah. And he kept saying that to him. And then eventually, Imam Ahmed said, no. And the son was distraught. He could not believe. After all that life, my father is going to die upon refusing to say la ilaha illallah. And he kept saying, no, no. And then sometime later, he's on his deathbed, passing out, waking up. Then he woke up. And they said, Father, uh, I told you, say la ilaha illallah. You kept saying no. He said, no, I wasn't talking to you. That was Iblis. Iblis came and said, you're saved, khalas. You don't, no, there's no taklif upon you anymore. Nothing is, there's no religion, religious obligations on you anymore. Right? Iblis came to him in a form right, and, and said that to him. And so I was saying no to that. Right? How, how amazing is that? SubhanAllah. Um, Facebook is saying what, how, yeah, right there. Tawsif, Zafar. Why is still that despite the prophetic teachings about equality, most Arab nations within the GCC still treat non-Arabs with contempt, low stature, and outcast? And that's the least of their worries because they're now taking part in Hindu shirk rituals, uh, which I had a picture was sent to me by um, a brother where... Let me see if I have it to show everyone here. Just to show you how how far down the Arabs have gone. I don't know if you can all see this, but here you have here you have one of the princes of the Arabs. Okay. Taking part in a Hindu ritual with with Hindu priests wearing their orange thobes. You see, you ever see this hadith that nobody should wear yellow? That doesn't apply to us anymore. What apply, What the reason the Prophet said that is, number one, that certain yellow garment was only worn by two classes of people, women or pagan priests. And here you have these pagan priests wearing, like, they wear orange. These specific pagan priests, they wear orange. So if someone was to wear that or wear, let's say, uh, whatever the Buddhist monks wear, and it would look exactly like that, that's where the prohibition would fall. Anyway, that's a side note. But the point is that they're taking part in that. I expect, you should expect every Jahiriya to come out of them. 
and in general, there are some good people in specific, but in general, that's the trend over there. Does, yeah, it, go ahead, does this ayah apply to uh, where Allah says Surah Tawbah, Al-Arab wa shaddu kuf, kufran wa nifaq? Yes, the, the, the Arab were the central Arabs, central part of the desert, the Bedouin. They are extremely stubborn in their kufr, and when they enter in Islam, it's all hypocrisy. How can we support the channel if YouTube has taken the mem- our membership? First of all, we sent YouTube when we said to them, I said to them, I've asked you multiple times to send, send us to our offices the pin code that you guys want us. They want us to plug in a pin code, right? To make sure that they're sending something to the right address. I haven't received it. What can I do? I've been receiving it for three months now. So they've suspended uh, the monetization of the channel and we, all, we also can't download our own videos anymore um, to download to chop them up. So if you want to support this channel, you can still support it by patreon.com backslash Safina Society. Patreon.com backslash Safina Society. Nada Arai. Nada the Shepherd is asking lectures to watch and listen to learn about the Sirah with children. To be honest with you, even if it's children, the Sirah of Hamza Yusuf is one of the best. It's one of the best. The seerah of Hamza Yusuf that that he just that um, when he tells the stories, I think the language is simple. He tells you who's who. I think it's great. At nbic.org backslash links. Okay, let me repeat that. Nbic.org backslash links. Go there and go to where it says converts. And you'll see the playlist there, the YouTube playlist there. And there's a, a, a channel that mimics Coco Melon, which I despise. I despise Coco Melon. Uh, Coco Melon is a very clever business, very clever, that uses bright colors. Every kid who watches Coco Melon once is addicted. And they sing these songs, and the, the words of the song are so like I'm telling you yeah the it's it's non-stop the video is just a, a continuous and very bright colors very happy kids it's all of course you know graphics but it's not like real people but the singers are professional singers you can tell that they sing well but the the, the words they say are terrible right it's like I wear my shirt and then it keeps talking about him wearing a shirt. I guess it's like suitable for a two or three-year-old. But uh, for an adult, it gives you a headache. But what I don't like about it is the kids are all addicted, right? Wallahi, they're addicted to Coco Melon because the colors are so bright. The scenes are so wonderful, right? And I'm not saying this is haram. I'm just saying that it's not a nice thing the kids addicted to TV. Well, the Muslims have made a Muslim version of that where it's very bright colors and it's all just like teaches you about la ilaha illallah subhanallah alhamdulillah right so that's at least better if you're going to have something on then then those channels are good so you look them up all right what's that baby shark submarine baby shark there's now grandpa shark there's daddy shark and there's everything about this uh baby shark uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like stuff that makes no sense, but the kids love it, right? And and the thing is that um, I hate the fact that 
this this channel whoever made up the channel man they i think they make some ridiculous like a million dollars a month producing these videos well good for them i'm not jealous about that but um i don't like kids getting addicted i don't like my kids just become like zoned out in front of the tv so we limit it as much as possible but there is a muslim version of it where also the colors are very nice and their characters but they say something teach you how to say la ilaha illallah teach you say alhamdulillah things like that qasim says do you know of the dua allahumma radini bi qada'ik yes the dua is radini bi allahumma subhanallah I saved it here. Hold on. Just uno segundo. Hold on. It's one of my... Yeah, it's that. Yes, there is that. And there was another one which I can't find at this moment. Um, SubhanAllah. Maybe this is a sign I should start saying it again. Because I was saying it a lot during COVID. Um, oh. Okay, but there is one. Um, there is, SubhanAllah. There is one that is specific from the prophet if you recite it continuously by the way we have a Safina cited video for this okay can you look it up right there's a Safina cited video on contentment if you repeat this dua over and over you contentment will enter your heart okay all right let's keep going with the q a while rai looked that looks that up someone says here can i eat a lot can i overeat with the intention of getting strong now i don't think that you want to overeat but you could eat slightly a little bit more for the sake of um uh getting stronger i guess yes continue Okay. Which it's a blog post. Okay, could you post that please so that everyone could see it? What does it mean that the Prophet would not waste time in conversation? Does that mean he didn't do small talk? No, he didn't waste time with nonsensical conversation. Okay. Lily Rose says there was a French scientist, a pediatrician, who could see it in two to three-year-olds whose parents gave them phones for distraction, already showing addiction and ADHD tendencies. Not only that, their eyesight is very bad at an early age. And I don't know how they ever read books. You know that I, I don't even know if it's valuable to give out books to youth anymore, like for our classes. I know that book is not going to get opened. No, there's still some people. Some people still read? Then we have to ask why our books haven't come in yet. How did he react 
to someone who said something negative towards him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Believe that the Prophet, peace be upon him, would be upset that they said that and then uh, ignore it. How does one interact with girls? We answered this. Bina says, I grew up as a Muslim, but a very unpracticing household. I didn't know that it is far to pray and fast. Do I still have to make up all those prayers? It's been about 12 years. Yes, you still have to owe those prayers and fasts. Is there a time frame for when consummation of a marriage should happen? This goes back to the Mawadda discussion we did and um, we said that an engagement as is a orfi thing. It's just customs. It's what people find beneficial. Two, three months, nine to ten months, that's what I've seen out there and that's when the time between uh, engagement and marriage. And let's say you do the kitab. Let's say you agree upon the wedding. Okay, um, or, or sorry, let's say you have the contract, the kitab, which we call, and you're married, but you still have to do some things before you actually have a uh, the 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 uh, consummation. All right. Now, first of all, consummation is a lot less of a of a barrier than what people think. Consummation is that you you and her are in a place where intimacy could take place. Plus. Like you're, you're alone with her in your room. That's, it's consummated. There shouldn't be a long time. Can you retweet that, right? Yeah? Oh, you're not in? Okay. Um, you're, uh, it shouldn't be a long time between the kitab and consummation. Because you have like, you're, it's like you, you put a positive and negative magnet and say stay away from each other. It shouldn't be too long of a time. But there is a condition. Ishhar has to take place first. Ishhar, meaning we widespread news that this marriage has happened. You cannot have consummation without Ishhar. In other words, we go into a little mosque, we're getting married, there's one or two people there. That's a, maybe in some of the other methods, two witnesses is enough, but we in the medical method require Ishhar. should be like said out loud to people, to a large group of people. We're married. That's how it works. Moab says, after Salat al-Janazah, on the way to the graveyard, what should we be doing or reciting? You can recite Quran, you can make dua for them. How do we balance between excessive spending and too little spending? That's again, a urfi judgment call by looking at, at what, uh, what the righteous people do. How much do the righteous people spend on cars, on clothes, on whatever? That's how you judge these things. That's how you judge these relative things. The righteous people of my time and place, what are they spending upon it? Hamza Hussein says, how do these adab translate to the modern day, especially on social media? Social media, the analogy for social media would not necessarily be the analogy of the physical gatherings, but rather the analogy of letters. Prophet used to receive letters and answer them, right? But if someone knocks on your door or sends you a letter, you're not bound. You have no obligation to answer them. So we have to understand the bar is much lower, all right? The bar is much lower for, for people who, who send a message in, right? And a letter, a person took time to write it. A social media post or a you know, private message or even an email, 
it's significantly less effort than sending a letter. So I would say about that that the bar is much lower. And I think that we should look at the only thing is la darara wa la darar, which means like there shouldn't be um, as much as possible, there shouldn't be harm done to people in social media. In other words, maligning people where you spread a rumor about them, saying something false. I would say like if you're harsh, that's probably like makru, to be harsh and mean to somebody. Like if you're speaking the truth, but it's harsh and mean, you could be sinful for that because... You scarred the person. You hurt the person. Elegantina Sono Girl. We as parents are not great role models either. That's the thing. Like oh, That's why you have to have some rahmah. But you also have to keep working at it. You can't say, well, I do it too, so let him do it. Okay, so you fell in a hole and broke your ankle. Aren't you going to then cover the hole up? Or you said, oh, well, I broke my ankle. So I can't blame him for coming and breaking his ankle. Right? So yeah, we, we were messed up. Fine, but at least your good deed, and you may be forgiven by protecting your kid from getting messed up. Do you believe that the Illuminati is real and that they have power in the affair of the dunya? Well, I do believe that Iblis is real and Iblis has awliya, as the Quran says, right? That Iblis, he gives whispers to his awliya and that's why you see people in different places doing things that match up perfectly right in a in a in a, in a one world order type of plan uh, new world order type of plan and you see that fits perfectly and the psychology is the direct opposite of the quran the economics is the direct opposite of the quran the way the finances of the world are set up the everything is almost like the direct opposite of the sharia but these, these people didn't get together and plan this. We believe in, the uns, in an unseen leader that maybe they don't even know that that's where their whisperings came from. But it all matches up in a world that we're living in that where everything, at every level, it's the opposite of the Quran. Right? It's the opposite of the Sharia. How did that happen? Now Allah tells us in the Quran that Iblis has awliya and he gives wahi to his awliya. He whispers to them. And those who do, who, you can get close to him. By doing more obscene things, right? Blaspheming deen, and they have these rituals where they blaspheme uh, religious texts. This is the way they they draw near, okay, to iblis. You darken your heart more with deeds. You keep darkening it and darkening it and darkening it, and then he has the ability also to open doors for you, right? There is that is possible. That it's like a type of uh, a reality that exists that iblis can can give people the illusion of wealth, can give people. Uh, can benefit. They benefit from that. And this is one of the meanings of selling your uh, deen for your for your dunya. So it's a test, and it's from istidraj. We believe in istidraj that a person can receive a lot while doing evil, and the reason is that it's going to make their punishment worse. So that I believe in. Okay, but the uh, as for the groups, who knows? Like what's actually real? Freemasons, Illuminati. At that point, the name doesn't matter, right? Sophia is correcting uh, slash versus backslash. Okay, mbic.org slash forward slash links. L-I-N-K-S. What are some sports, says Ibrahim Khan, that the Prophet played or agreed to play? The sports that he played were essentially the things that are used in life and war. Swimming, running, wrestling, riding horses, uh, and having, uh, you know, shooting bows and arrows. 
those are the things that had practical uses, right? In life or outside of, or, 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 or in war. And those are the things that the Prophet ﷺ encouraged. General um, physical activities is halal, right? And some have even said makruh or haram if it has no value to it. All right, there was a question on Instagram about a teacher saying, like, is there a dua to be a better teacher? Maybe is she saying, like, for me, I need to say that dua, basically? Okay, a sister says, is there any dua? Her name is Sansan. She says, is there any dua to make yourself a better teacher? Sometimes back-to-back teaching to school children can feel tiresome. If you're not wringing their neck, you're doing a good job. Because kids are hard, right? But there is a dua. And I'll read it to you. It's a dua of Imam al-Haddad. That you should say and you should all say it as a group to your, to your, to your kids if they're Muslims. Islamic school. Or homeschool. I intend to study and to teach. To take and give reminders. To benefit myself and others. To to inspire myself and to inspire others. And to call to guidance and to hold fast to the book of Allah and the son of his messenger. And call people to guidance. And point them to goodness. All seeking the countenance of Allah and his pleasure and nearness and reward. And that is a beautiful uh, card bookmark that we had printed it on which we need to probably actually you know if you could put a um, if you could save that image and put it up on a split screen for us yeah. Fatima King says if your kids want to watch some uh, channels that are you know beneficial and they need to see something then Omar and Hannah is the name of the channel uh you know, that's highly recommended. Teach people to do like dhikr and stuff. It's better than for them saying Baby Shark, and which is the most watched YouTube video, I think, of all time. 10 billion views, which is, yeah, a tragedy, basically. That is such a meaningless thing. It's crazy. People just like nice jingles and, and innocent. It's, it's like apolitical too, right? That's why. Rashidul Kabir says, on Karima Foundation, Sheikh Suleiman has a playlist. And they go through just Amma. And you know what else? Uh, Surah Al-Fatiha for uh, Omar Hisham, I think his name is, Omar Hashim or Hisham Al-Arabi. Surah Al-Fatiha repeated for an hour. is really good for little kids. Just put it on. They don't have to watch it. There's no, nothing to watch anyway. You just put it on. They'll memorize Surah Al-Fatiha within like a, a month or two. Is there favoritism for Arabs over non-Arabs in Islam? There's not favoritism in justice, matters of justice, but the Prophet did say, love the Arabs just for my sake. Because it's an attribute of the Prophet that he was Arab. So we would love them. We would love that aspect of him. It doesn't mean every single Arab. The Arabs of today, you know, they're a mixed bag like anyone else. Mixed and the Khalij has a lot more issues than probably benefits, right? So, but in general, to love that. And who is the Arab? Anyone who speaks Arabic. Ghazala Rahman 
says, Allahumma inna la nas'aluka radda al-qada, walakin nas'aluka al-lutfa bih. This is the dua of Imam al-Shafi. We don't ask, oh Allah, we don't ask you to, we don't reject your judgment, but we ask for lutf in it. It's Imam al-Shafi when he was actually wrong, or wrongfully accused. Allahumma inna nas'aluka. Oh, this dua, okay. Um, the dua says, Nawaitu at-ta'alluma wa ta'alim. Wa وَالتَّذَكُّرَ وَالتَّذْكِيرَ وَالنَّفْعَ وَالْإِنْتِفَاعَ وَالْإِفَادَ وَالْإِسْتِفَادَةَ وَالتَّمَسُّكَ بِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ وَسُنَّةِ رَسُولِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ورضوان ورضائه I couldn't read that ومرضاته وثوابه okay. That's a dua that you should say and you can keep that up there for people to take a screenshot of it. Sophia says, Ryan, did he like the Five Pillars t-shirt? That was our selection for you, the tie-dye t-shirt. Neba Adam says, How can we utilize the best out of this dua for contentment that you have recommended? Just repeat it every time, all day, as long, every time your heart is unhappy, repeat it. Right, and just repeat it nonstop. Keep your heart moist with it. Keep your engine moving. It's like an engine that you're moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. If you if you keep the engine moving, eventually you get a spark. Right, something good will happen to you. How is it authentically known where the Prophet Hud is buried? Allah Alam. We can ask the ulama of Tarim and Yemen. I think it's Tawatur over the generations. What do the scholars say about someone who memorized the 40 hadith of Imam and Nawawi? It's virtuous to memorize 40 hadith because there is a weak hadith and we can act upon it as man hafidha arba'in min hadithi dakhla al-jannah. Whoever memorizes 40 of my hadith enters paradise. Moab says it's haram to have kids wear costumes to school on Halloween. Yes, if you ask me, I do believe that celebration of Halloween is forbidden. Because it's a religious holiday now, it's not even Christian holiday anymore. It's like a completely... Like uh, it's all just nakedness and skulls and uh, you know things that are um, not that a Muslim should be doing, and most Muslims agree that it does have a basis in some kind of beliefs, right? And even if people don't realize that basis, it's lost its innocence. Even in my day, we didn't know much better. You dressed up as cops, robbers, athletes, firemen—it's like innocent stuff. But today, it's like dressing up as prostitutes, right? Um, devils, things like that, where it's law. It's even if it we were to say that it deviated far from its original religious nature, it's deviated to something worse, right? It's deviated into something far worse. It's nothing other than everything negative, like hellish. Nobody puts up. You know, you don't see someone dressing up as cops and cowboys anymore. Cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers. That those days are over. Amin says, what do the scholars say about someone who memorized? We answered that. And that, you know, they always tell me, could you please read the answer, the question before you say it out loud? Fine. What is the meaning of, oh, you who believe, believe, says Amin? means, oh, you who believe, increase your iman. You already have iman. The, iman, the first belief is belief versus kufr. The second iman, oh, you, ya ayyuladina, aminu, aminu. The second iman is the increase of that iman. 
meaning study your aqidah properly. Worship Allah so that your iman increases. That's the meaning of, O you who believe, believe. Means, O you who have entered into the fold of belief, now strengthen that faith. Hamza Hussein, how are we supposed to manage living in a world that doesn't have the Prophet ﷺ living in it? How do we not get depressed in a world that lacks rahmatan lil'alameen? So we, we have to uh, fact, manufacture that love in our own hearts by doing much salawat and salam on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, Bubbles says, what country are the people of the cave buried? That's a good question. Surat al-Kahf. And you know that it, the time of the Sahaba, Muawiyah said that he came upon a cave in which it was etched in that cave. The locals trans- translated it for him that the seven sleepers of the cave were there. Ibn Abbas says, don't go in it because you won't be able to. So he said, no, I want to go. So he went, tried to get in it. But when he came back, he said, as soon as we stepped near the entrance of the cave, a great fear entered all of our hearts and we left. So it is said that Allah knows best that it's somewhere in Anatolia. Anatolia, the continent or that landmass which is now Turkey, and I think that others have said it's parts of Greece. And some people say that the city is called Ephesus, and Allah knows best. Can I, can I make wudu while in the shower to save time? Of course, as long as you're a ma- if you're a male, you don't touch the, your private parts with the inside or the side of your hands afterwards because that will break your wudu. SR says, what should a lay person say to those who question whether khatm of Qur'an is bid'ah? Is it true that the greatest scholars who spread Islam, such as Ganji Baksh and Nizamuddin Awliya, did khatm? Not only did that, it is, it is a sunnah from the time of the Sahaba. And the Prophet points to it. He said, cannot one of you recite the Qur'an in 30 days? That's why they divided the Qur'an in 30 juz. One for every day, so that you could do a khatm every month. And the Prophet ﷺ said that 70,000 angels attend the dua that is upon the completion of the entire Qur'an. So the idea of reciting Qur'an from cover to cover, and then having a long dua was a sunnah from the Prophet's time. And the Sahaba, Anas ibn Malik, he would recite the entire Qur'an and wait for when he reached the small surahs. Then he would gather his whole family and they would finish it and they would make a long dua afterwards. Dua khatm al-Qur'an. So there is mashru'ah. It's Nuha 95. She says, is dua accepted when drinking zamzam? It, you make the dua before you drink zamzam and you do it standing facing the qibla. Standing. Unlike other drinking, which the sunnah is sitting, is zamzam, you do it standing. Qasim says, with the dua I mentioned, could you possibly tweet it again or post it again, please? Yeah, you know that I took Twitter off my phone. Yeah, because it was just a waste of time. Too much waste of time. So I do have an app called Hootsuite. I could put stuff out there. But I no longer engage in uh, you know, reading tweets and, and finding myself just... Like your brain is lazy. So you go to, to surf, right? And scroll. You got to catch yourself. That's going to be the difference between you know, certain levels of, 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 of success in life and Dean. These little things. Because you, if you scroll for 15 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, hypothetically right that's 70 minutes a week 
That's 140 minutes every two weeks. That's 280 minutes. Divide that by 60. Four hours a month. Four hours a month. Just 10 minutes a day. How crazy is that? The reason why I actually like, because I, I got rid of my phone when I was 17 and got the flip phone. Yeah. was because I was looking at myself and I realized that my, like without even thinking about it, I would... My thumb would move, type in my password, and go to Instagram so fast wow. without even, I didn't even think about it, or go to any of these apps, like without even subconsciously it was in my brain. So I, at first I that. tried to move them to different places, and then my mind just adjusted. So I was just get a flip phone. Yeah, so I'm telling you that the difference between people it's a hairline of a difference. It's these little things, right? And is not what the Prophet ﷺ said when he said that um, people enter Jannah by little deeds. And they enter Jahannam by little deeds. They think it's a small deed, but it mounts up. And and you and and Twitter is my Twitter feed is all about argu- arguments, right? Different Islamic groups arguing. I have no time for this anymore. Instagram, it was good in the beginning, but I guess certain things that I followed followed other things. So the algorithm ended up getting me a whole bunch of uh, images that were fisk and haram. I'm done with you. Okay. If I get skipped, Hadi, just put the keep putting the question. If I I'm not skipping it on purpose. Reggie Evans says there's a channel called Salikin. It's very good um, for kids, Muslim kids. Chief Latif, do you have to cover your aura to make wudu? No, you could be making wudu while you're in the shower. Let's see here. Who says that? Uh, AK Player says, I want to get married, but I have a porn problem. <laughs> Don't reveal that to anyone. Keep that private to yourself. Of course, he's put like uh, a pseudonym, so that's fine. I need to deal with this before marriage, but being 28 and single makes it hard. I keep relapsing and I start losing hope in marriage. Do you have, is it something where one would think that marriage may solve this problem? Right? Marriage may solve, may help in solving this problem. And if you want to know why people have a porn problem, maybe any addiction, I think, any addiction, I think has to do with there's something really deep down that's, there's a void. And whatever the addiction is, is trying to fill the void. So maybe an intimate relationship with an actual woman may be the void, right? That may be the void. Um, but you did point to something that is the end result of Iblis, which is losing hope. I can't emphasize more than enough that what Iblis is truly after with all addictions, whether it's a marijuana addiction, a crack addiction, a any drug, pornography, gambling is that to get you to the point that to say, I've made dua and it's been years. To get you to believe in your reality, not in your technical. Technically, you believe Allah is all-powerful over all things. But to really truly get you to believe that even Allah can't get you out of this. That's really where Iblis wants to get you for all these addictions. The cardinal sin is to give up hope. That's truly the cardinal sin. Cardinal meaning this is the, that's where Iblis wants to get you. Everything else, right, 
you have to wipe it out every single time it happens. Wipe it out and start over again. Wipe it out and start over again. When Allah sees your sidq, he'll take it away from you. Sidq means that you, you just don't stop. You refuse to stop. When Allah sees that sidq in you, then he'll take this away from you. But also you have to realize that there is a reason for this sin. And that is, uh, it's as uh, Sayyid Nursi said, nobody does something wrong except that there's some desire that's inside of him that's not being filled. And he wants to fill it, but he filled it in the haram. So what is pornography? Like you, it's maybe there's the, the absence of a woman in your life is the reason you're going for that. It could be, right? So it's most likely, right? So marriage may help with that. So is it ethical for someone to marry while they have this porn addiction? That's really a big question, to be quite honest with you. I could tell you that I can't answer the ethical question by myself. We probably should kick that around amongst the you know people who have some wisdom. But I can tell you that it's not unlawful. right? It's lawful for you. And is anyone ever going to be perfect in this day and age? So hope marriage should probably help get rid of some of these addictions, I would imagine. right? It would get rid of that. So I think that not marrying is really one of the, the goals of Iblis. Because... W- when you don't marry, there's a lot of there's a loss of risk. When you marry, the Prophet said risk comes to you. Uh, responsibility comes to you. You start to grow up. You have kids. You grow up even more. You'll feel more responsible to, to rectify yourself when you have a wife and kids than when you're all alone. So if Iblis robs you of that, all right, if Iblis robs you of that, then you'll feel like there's not really much motivation. There's not really much, there's no reason for me to fix my, get my act together. I believe that if you get married and have kids, and you now maybe are even helping in the community, and you're helping youth, there will be such a cognitive dissonance, such an anger, such an upsetness, that you're not practicing what you preach, that you're doing something bad, that will be so strong, it'll push out you know, those sins. And again, I'll repeat and close with that, uh, 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 that it's loss of hope. And you said it. Right, that is the goal of iblis, is to make a person lose hope. Because once a person, in his true beliefs, does not believe Allah is capable of doing something, he'll never say it. But that's the real reality of his belief. The major, major pillar in his tawhid, his iman, has collapsed, and it's just a matter of time. His Islam just becomes an image with no reality, because his iman has collapsed. So you have to always have iman that Allah Taala can remove you from your. I ask you a question right now. Can Allah Ta'ala remove you from this addiction and remove this addiction from you forever before this video is over? Or before you say, Kun Fayakun? If you don't believe that the answer is yes, then that's a problem. You have to believe. At any moment, Allah can remove it. And He doesn't remove it, it's a test. It's a test to see who's sincere, who's going to fight this fight. And let me tell you something. I believe probably it's an epidemic. Right? A survey, yeah. I didn't, I forget to look if I looked at the results or not, but it's like overwhelmingly high. Yeah, I don't even, I wouldn't even want to look at the survey to be honest with you, right? I want to even want to know what the rates are in our communities of um, of that type of thing, and then we wonder why the nur of Iman is not penetrating. Well, if your eyes are filled with pornography and your earbuds, you got air, AirPods in 24 hours a day, like people walk around with one AirPod in and listen to music all day. So how is the light of Qur'an and we're talking about these things, how is it going to enter the heart? So 
I don't believe that adults can really discipline themselves, let alone youth. We need help disciplining. If I, when I was in college, I would have loved to have someone discipline me, right? In the sense of cut off these things. But these things, like, you couldn't. It was coming up. when you, Everyone's just learning what it is, right? All of a sudden, boom, there's the internet. All of a sudden, we got laptops. It's like it all came before anyone could set up policies for it, right? Or everyone, anyone knew, like, how bad things could get to the point that we have these epidemics. So... That's one of the reasons, at least if we do this, um, this youth night, at least for those five hours, you know, they'll be in the house of Allah getting purified. And, and they won't be sitting around just, you know, um, exposed to fitna. Next. Suzella Rahman says, how can we empower women not to conform to societal beauty and fashion trends? Just finding women having more insecurities after marriage. That's um, those insecurities are caused by the prevalence of images, which may be real, but probably most of them are touched up and fake of other beautiful women. In the old days, in the ancient times, probably didn't have this problem because the only woman you could look at are the women of your town. One of the stats I saw is that like by the, by the age of like 11, a youth has seen more pretty women than a person had probably seen than his grandfather for his entire lifetime, right? Because the images are keep coming up. So it becomes almost impossible, right? Um, it was really impossible to keep those images out of your mind. But I'm telling you, the Quran really, to be honest with you, it wipes all this stuff away. Intensive dhikr is what we really need for these psychological, emotional, mental issues. Intensive dhikr is the solution. It's not some idea that's a solution. Intensive dhikr wipes all this stuff out of your mind. You forget about it completely. But Suzella, uh, someone had recently also told me that um, in, in the issue of hijab, people are, are talking about it as like a choice, right? And they've broken from it the sanctity of it, that this is part of your relationship with Allah. This is a divine command, no different than 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 wudu salah zakah som and so that they they asked me they said can you bring that up again i said i i want to bring it up but uh the feminists will destroy you any imam that just talks about hijab and they'll just waste their time and they'll just flood them with criticism so i said you you have to talk about it like you talk about it. i'm not i'm not i don't feel like having this waste of time anymore i said it's uh it's a fudge from from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a million times but it's upon the women now who, are, who have knowledge to start talking about these things. And, and them, they, these Muslim scholars from the females, should, should, uh, from the women, should talk about these things, right? And, and fight these, these trends among girls. It doesn't even sound right. In our society, it's not accepted that a guy gives lectures about women you know, not following these trends and young girls not following these trends. And there is a point to that because we haven't experienced it. I can talk to guys about pornography, can't talk to women about, you know, um, post, trying to post their best pics on Instagram and stuff because I haven't experienced what it's like to be a woman. So let them talk about it. Brian, what you got? 14-year-old is trying to pray every day. Wonderful. And be the best Muslim. Wonderful. How, how can how can they be the best Muslim? Though? Be, befriend good Muslims. 
become friends with with good Muslims. Look up your local youth group and hang out with those guys. That's the solution. That's the solution. Hang out with those guys. Let's check out Facebook. We always ignore those guys. Right. In the meantime, while I pull up Facebook, give me something. Um, all right. In the, is the statement by this visit, may Allah forgive us while visiting Malcolmets? Isn't this tawassul? Yes. Any good deed that you do, you can ask Allah. Here's my offering. Accept my dua or grant me rizq or grant me afiyah, grant me shifa for the sick, etc. All that's acceptable, right? Any good deed that you do. M. Sattar says, Thank you for stating that teenage girls and women are just turned off by men telling them uh, they're going to hell for not wearing hijab. Keep going. Our most... Our mo- I think uh, she's still typing. She's still typing. Okay. So, so it's, it's not that it's, it's unlawful in Islam to talk, to say this. When I teach fiqh, I teach the whole book. Whatever, whatever's in the book, I teach it. It's Allah's law. Whether it's something that pertains only to men or only to women. But culturally speaking... How am I going to get the result? Right? The result is people just don't, they don't want to hear it from someone who hasn't experienced it. That's really the, 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 the end of it. So I say, I can tell you the ruling of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. It's on the women. If the door has been opened now for, men, for women to do what men are doing, then the Muslim women who have knowledge, you go and you fight the feminists. And you, not just the feminists, it's also just the, this, this culture of image. Like the culture of of putting your image out there, the culture of touching yourself up all the time and taking these selfies. This is not the culture of Islam, right? It's not the culture of, of the people of the Quran. That's what we're shooting for. We're shooting something high. Why, do we, why should we just shoot for, okay, barely getting by? No, right? Uh, we should shoot for something high. And if the sisters are out there now, studying, learning, and talking, and posting, and doing whatever that, that's really, they're the ones who are going to do it. And they're already doing it, by the way. There are a lot of, uh, there was like a couple uh, preachers that were women that were on Instagram doing amazing things and I shared it. So they're doing it, right? It's not that they're not doing it. They're already doing it. Just a matter of time. It's, it's a long fight. It's a big fight that they're going to have to wage. Sarah uh, Muhammad or Zahra maybe. Maybe it's Sarah. First time listening in on MBF without the podcast app. Assalamu alaikum. alaikum assalam. Of course, you guys all know that you can get all of these on YouTube and you can get them on Spotify too. Nada Ra'i says, How should us as Muslim educators talk about hijab as well when it's sadly a very triggering topic? I think that we should, we have to break this trigger, right? Not everything is acceptable to tiptoe around. This is a divine commandment. If I went to a people and, and none of the rich people paid zakah, you got to break this trigger, okay? Which means get triggered. Repeat it over and over and over until, right, as the saying goes, if you can't turn off the shower, at least you'll get used to getting wet. This is a religious obligation, Someone said, oh, how could you speak about some of your own team at Safina Society, at MBIC, don't wear hijab. I have friends. Not all my friends are perfect. I'm not perfect. But the religion, 
must be stated as it is. This is a divine commandment. Okay? How is it any different from not eating khanzir? How is it any different from not going out with your outer showing for a man? Right? How is it any different from a guy going in speedos? Right? So it is a divine commandment. It's religion. It's not culture. It's not something that you just choose. Yes, you choose to do it in the sense that you have free will. No one's going to force you. But it has to be elevated just as part of our religion. Discussion over. It's not culture. It's not heritage. It's not a choice of clothing like a choice of kufi. It's part of the religion. That's it. What do you want me to do about that? So it's got to repeat it over and over. You shouldn't get triggered about the truth. If you get triggered about the truth, your nafs has an issue, not the truth, right? We don't malleable, the truth doesn't change to your ego. That's the difference between following whims and following truth is that my mind knows this is true. I don't like it. Which one is going to move? I'm moving, right? Car going this way, another car going the opposite way. We're not playing a game of chicken here. You're moving out of the way or you're going to get railroaded by the truth, which means that the angel is writing down every time you do something wrong, whether you like it or not. And then you're going to come on Yom Qiyam and you're going to pay the price for that. So I think we just have to break this Muslim community triggered. Then get triggered, right? Untrigger yourself. You can't be triggered by the truth. And we can't, as people who are supposed to, our responsibility, the word bayan, clarification, is listed in different forms over 200 times in the Quran. It's, it's said, clarify this truth, spread it, practice it, don't practice it, that's not my problem or your problem, whatever, that's personal. But the speakers, the preachers, just say the truth as it is. And make dua, it's not said with kibr. Like, we make dua for myself, I make dua for you. Right? It's not said with kibbutz, but that's the truth. You cannot tell me that, oh, I get triggered by the truth. Saadia Warsi, six minutes ago, she said, What's your advice about how we go through courses on ArcView? Basic, who is new to this site? Take the Aqidah classes first, then the Tajweed classes. There are videos for the Tajweed, and there's live Tajweed Saturday. Sign up for arcview.org. Okay. Sign up for arcview.org and uh, take the Tajweed class every Saturday morning with Noor Saunders. And there's a Tajweed video that you could watch and just watch the videos too over and over and over. Then take the, take the course you'll recite to him. Learn your Tajweed, then go to learn your fiqh. Learn your fiqh. Now, let's go back to Instagram here. She says, I agree. Women need to step up and uplift. Yeah, because it's just not worth the, 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 the tsunami of criticism that comes anytime an imam just says a word. It's not that we can't, people can't handle it, or maybe they should. It's just, it's a waste of time, right? And it's not effective. And it's become people just say, okay, forget it. I'm not going to say anything. Let the sisters talk about it. What's the other question go up? Yeah, that one. Some women don't wear hijab because the uh, it's commanded, not because it's not it's commanded, but because of men looking at other women. All right? So this is something I could talk about. And this, I know many guys are going to get triggered. You're a practicing Muslim guy and you wore, you married a woman who doesn't wear hijab. So what message have you sent? Again, this is something people will say, how could you say this? Some of your best friends. 
I said it before. The principle is you got to just say the truth. Not I'm not perfect. My friends aren't perfect. I like a lot of people who do a lot of wrong things. Weakness, not weakness. Call it whatever you want it. Be as nice as you ever you want. Okay. I'm not passing a judgment on you as my friend. I'm not saying anything to insult you. But I have to tell you people what the religion of Allah is and what people are doing. If you are a good and Muslim practicing brother and you go and you marry somebody that is not doing, a sister that is not fulfilling one of God's commands, you basically just sent a signal to the other girls in the community that, all right, I can get a great guy without fulfilling Allah's commands. That, that's just how simple it is. And it, the sister there is, she's telling you, I'm not saying it, she's saying it. They're not disobeying Allah for the sake of it, but they see that the good guys are marrying women without hijab. So the good guys don't seem to care about it. This I can talk about. And the guys, you're going to get triggered. I don't want to get triggered all you want. You're my friends. A lot of my uh, associates, their wives might not wear hijab. I'm not talking to you personally and offending you, but I'm just saying something that's true, right? You, you cannot, as doing this job, filter the religion based upon your friends and family. You're, you're doing dishonesty uh, to the religion at that point. So, so, so a, a big donor of mine, of Safina Foundation, he, I don't know, he operates with riba. So we're going to now, uh, we're, hey, if you're part of Safina's, I don't talk about riba. No, <laughs> it's not going to work like that. A big donor does not wear hijab. Okay, some people, maybe it's my, not my business where she is in her religion. Okay, she loves us. She's doing a great job in many things. Maybe this one, are we going to now have a, an organization? Let's not talk about riba. Let's not talk about hijab. What's next? What's next, right? It's not like that. And you shouldn't get triggered or be offended because I'm telling you, even if I'm telling the whole religion 100%, I understand people are at different phases of their practice. We do understand that. And as long as someone's not preaching that thing, and it's just a weakness, they're welcome in our circles. Yes, we are welcoming to circles while saying the truth at the same time. If you don't say it, Allah will fire you and bring someone else to say it. That's how it works. What do I have to address? In the Madiki Madhab, the neck can be shown. That's not true at all. Only the face. Huh? No, no, no. There's none of that. That's maybe some hippies. Uh... That it is a style that some people came in the 70s and they just wore the bandana, right? And uh, uh, no, it's the face and the hands can be shown. This is religion, right? Um, so can you pray in a room with, with, with idols? The prayer, the prayer may be valid if you're not facing the idol, but I highly recommend that you find some other solution because it's not something that... Uh, you know, that is, that is an issue. They have now put actual idols in the... Well, you definitely take the Qur'an off that rack. The Qur'an, no book of Islam should be sharing space with idols. Actual idols. A lot of Moroccan women, says Lily Poppy, wear scarf tied behind head with neck exposed. It's practical when they're working in the fields, etc., and they may be working in the fields by themselves, not with other guys around. But if other guys around, then that's another issue, right? 
Tacalas, there's no one else to pick the corn and pick the peppers, except we have to do it together. You, why don't you pick up the tomato? You pick the tomatoes over there, and I'll pick the peppers over here, right? And then she could remove her, uh, roll up her sleeves, have her neck show, whatever, because the guys are picking peppers over there, and we'll do the tomatoes over here, right? We'll we'll go over there and, and work on the couscous by ourselves, and you go and and get the plums. Hadi says, oh, it's not Hadi, it's had enough. Okay, I just got that. Had enough says, is working as an engineer for a company that makes military jets haram. Working to make weapons is not haram. It's the contract that it goes to may render it haram. But the idea of making weapons itself is not haram. It's just a question of uh, the issue of if it's like the sole contract that you know it's going to the United States to and it's going directly to a war if you have that knowledge then yes then that aspect of it would be haram but not making weapons in general I don't mind weapons I would love to have a lot of weapons right uh, if I was a country <sighs> Lily Poppy's question yeah that was the question about how they wear the hijab behind the neck If the MSA is doing an interfaith meeting and event hosting non-Muslims, should they enforce them to wear appropriate clothing? I don't think you would enforce it, but you could say, if it's the summertime, for example, you could just say that uh, our, we will be dressed you know, like this, covering our thighs and our legs and our arms, and you could see if they like that or not, or if they respect that or not. Right? And you could... It's all about respect, interfaith. So you want to have interfaith? So let's start with, uh, uh, with the basics of you know, how we, ex- we want to be dressed. So let's see if they respect that. So if it's interfaith with the Jews, we're not doing the event on Saturday, right? With, for your Sabbath, so. Anyway, I don't think, I'm, I'm never, never a big fan of enforcing stuff unless it's your actual household. But you can say, by the way, this is how we do things here and see if they want to respect it or not. AA, your response, please. Great chance wanting authority. They listen to the male scholar. If a woman, especially young women scholar, lectures men, the men's mind will react differently. I guarantee you they'll react differently, right? If a woman goes out there, puts a whole lecture on pornography, she may be 1,000% correct. Correctness is not the only issue. It's effectiveness, right? It's effectiveness, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. So insofar as I've experienced what you've experienced as being a male, you're a male and I'm a male, then we can talk. You're a female and, you're, and uh, females are going to expect to talk about other females. Uh, Ryan, is, uh, lectures from Muhammad Hablos, yes. He is very, Muhammad Hablos is effective. Just lower the volume, that's it, right? You have to lower the volume when you click on his videos. Good men, Ibrahim says, are marrying non-hijabis and hijabis are feeling like, like what was the point of this? Because yeah, the, it, you're doing it for Allah Ta'ala, but you're also doing it, you need to feel something in the society that this was rewarded by the society. So this is the testimony of some of the women, right? It's not my testimony. I don't know any better about this, right? They're the ones saying it, not me. Muhammad Muhammad is a wrestler. Can I do a powerful dhikr before going into wrestling? Nothing wrong with that. 
Suzella Rahman says, a lot of men and their mothers refuse to consider sisters who wear hijab. So where's the issue coming from? Other women. There's a lot of pressure after marriage to remove hijab from the husbands. The husband wants a woman to show off. Such a woman, such a man is a fasiq because this is a public sin. The youth, the youth, right? He's a fasiq and he wants his wife to do this, right? To, uh, he wants to be a day youth. Does the Maliki Madhab follow the Athari creed? No, it does not. They're Ashaira, the hardest core Ash'aris in history have been the Malikis. Can you pray Sunnah before Fajr? The Mesgid, he says, Amin says, Mesgid with a G. Praise 20 minutes after the app event. You can pray your sunnah as soon as the fajr comes in. It's called the raghiba, And it's the second most important sunnah after witr. Uh, Sophia says, please make dua and nur again. Yeah, why, why don't we kick off every day, inshallah, with dua and nur. Dino says, if he doesn't marry you for hijab or his mother doesn't want you then you dodged a bullet from a family that is not very that committed which is not to say that there aren't some very very nice people again we have to put so many caveats because we have so many friends who are like this right we have to put all these caveats yes they may be wonderful people in many things but culturally someone has like a trigger it happens right so we have to say this because there's there's these caveats because there are a lot of people out there i know them they're excellent right they're wonderful people who observe every quarter inch of the of the deen of uh, 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 that allah has brought down but their parents have a trigger like they're culturally like triggered on about something they have an allergy to hijab or to deen or to halal meat so i want to make sure that those people know that I, i'm not nobody here is trying to offend your family right and you shouldn't take it like we're not aware of having family members that are not uh, upon the deen totally aware of it and we know that there's a whole ton of bending and lesser of two evils that's going on in the world we have to say this because that we're, we're talking about something that affects a lot of people a lot of people that this issue of um, general religiosity uh, and hijab affects all right well, i think we have to wrap up let's see we got office hours at four o'clock and it's three thirty. which comment Hazrats in Hanafi Madhab, can a sister can recite Nat or Hamd? Where did he say that? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm a Hazrat. Oh, he's talking to me. Hazrats, comma. Okay, in Hanafi Madhab. I'm a Hazrat. Uh, funny thing that, um, what was it in Turkey? What do they call it? Um, in Turkey, they have a name for their scholars. Hoja. Hoja. <laughs> That's a big title, right? Uh, she can recite it for only for women. Yeah, she could recite that in a women's gathering. Uh, last question, Samia from Instagram. I recently heard that you should do general istikhara every day that helps you all your decisions. Yes, you can do that. And you can combine it with one of your sunan. A general for all your de- for all your decisions. And may Allah Ta'ala help us. And again, we do we will not shy away from bringing up these topics that trigger some people. But you have to understand the, the spirit in which we're doing it. We're doing it because this is 
The religion of Allah Ta'ala is an amana. If we are claiming to be involved in this, we just have to um, say every truth as it is, right? And it's it's not that we don't understand people are going through struggles and that they're Muslims and they're trying. And these are not fasiqeen like outside in the world when we say like, you know, we're talking forbidding wrong against like some fisk that is being done by non-believers. No, these are people with wonderful qualities, but there's a shortcoming. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. We cannot edit stuff out of our discourse. That's really the point of it. And uh, we all love people who have shortcomings in, in, in their deen. And the last thing that we want to do is turn people away. But at the same time, we also can't turn Allah's rida away and his command away, his command to clarify the deen as it is. So uh, it's done in that spirit. It's not done in the spirit of hurting people, making people feel guilty, making people people feel bad it's done in the spirit of um it's our duty right uh to clarify these things and if we don't do it then allah will shoo us away okay and other people will do it we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us and we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he grants us a long life in the da'wah and he answers our dua and he fills our heart with what pleases him and we ask allah ta'ala to uh, for those who are sick, to give them a speedy shifa so they can return to the enjoyment of his blessings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to continue this live stream and this podcast and arc view and to give it a great success and make it a great uh, benefit for the mu'mineen. Highly recommend everyone hop, hop onto arcview.org, get onto the WhatsApp chat and start taking the live classes as well as the pre-recorded classes. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us upon beneficial knowledge. Uh, to beneficial knowledge and let us ask about it, uh, act upon it. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our hearts soft to every mu'min of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, especially those who are upon tawbah and those who are seeking and trying and who are weak. We're, we're here for the weak. We want to be here for the weak, the strong. They, have, they know their path. The ironclad faithful, they know their path. But we are here for the weak and for the needy and for those who are just trying to Get their get on their legs for iman. We ask Allah Taala until that we that we live and die, and upon till the day we die, we are serving those weak of the ummah who are trying to get on their feet and practice their deen and strengthen their iman. Oh